Hello, welcome to some Derbs Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I'm your co-host, Buddy. And today we're going to talk a little bit about Hellboy, the one that came out in 2019. But before we do that, Buddy, why don't you tell the folks at home what it is we do on this podcast? Well, it's pretty simple. On this podcast, we like to talk about games, uh, but also movies and stuff like that. And Hellboy is a comic book movie, and we basically reviewed every comic book movie that's come out since Batman vs. Superman in 2016. So why would we stop there? Uh, and then Hellboy came out. Yeah. Starring David um, Harper so, and Ian McShane. Yeah. Directed by Neil Marshall. And I, I, let's, and, so let's, let's do our, yeah. our pre-spoiler <laughs> evaluations before okay. we really get into it. But, uh, buddy, why don't you start it off? Start us off. Uh, this is the worst superhero movie since Green Lantern, I think. I think it might actually be worse than Green Lantern because I haven't seen Green Lantern in a long time, but I have very, like, not fond memories of it. Uh, which places it below Suicide Squad and X-Men Apocalypse, which I kind of think are, like, the worst superhero movies in, like, the last, like, you know, in, like, modern, in the modern era, in the last, like, five years. Um, which is saying something, because that's just really, that's just real bad. Just real, really, really, real, real bad. Um, it's pretty clear uh, that the script was just a complete jumbled mess um i actually read a very enlightening article that was basically about how this this whole production was like a gigantic shit show from beginning to end um because of infighting between the director neil marshall who's actually a pretty well established um and and well liked uh director he he's most famous for doing some of the big battle uh, episodes in game of thrones um so, you know, like, he, he definitely has, like, a pedigree to it. And you can see it in some spots in this film. Uh, and then the longtime Hellboy uh, producer, I can't remember his name, like, something like Singer or whatever, um, who's basically just, like, a huge jerk. Uh, he, he reportedly just, like, fired Neil, Neil Marshall's longtime cinematographer friend uh, off the project just to, like, flex, which is... You know, you know that your movie's going to be good when that happens. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's that's how you get really good movies. Uh, they argued for a long time about uh, like character designs and designs for certain like pieces of the of the set and props, which is just like the most asinine. It's just like the most asinine bullshit. But uh, yeah, anyway, so this movie's like very bad and very awful, and. You know, don't see it. Don't see it. Unequivocally. Yeah, uh, I'm going to mostly agree. Uh, the only thing I might disagree with you on is about how bad Suicide Squad was, but that's not really relevant. Um, but yeah, uh, the acting was terrible. Uh, not so much from the main characters, but for some of the side characters. The script was terrible. Uh, the special effects were terrible. Uh, the best part of this movie was the John Wick 3 trailer that paid in front of it. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't know if there's much else to say about... I feel like we should just get into spoilers. Yeah, let's, let's get into spoilers. No, nobody's going to watch that movie. Don't watch the movie. Yeah, don't. <laughs> and, 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 just, if, just listen to the spoilers. Yeah, I mean, be fine. It, this is technically a spoiler warning, but, you know, don't go see the movie. Um, but do yeah, you think, Do you think Suicide Squad is worse than this movie? Maybe, um, 
I don't remember Suicide Squad super well. Um, I don't think that's important. Uh, this isn't this isn't to say that I think that Hellboy is better than you do. I think I just might think that Suicide Squad is worse yeah, than you yeah, think yeah. it is. Yeah, because like I, I was trying to think about it in uh, in like you know kind of qualitative terms, like what are the pros and, and and cons sort of thing. And Hellboy and Suicide Squad actually have a fair number of similar like editing problems. Um, and kind of like muddled script nonsense problems like they have this like they both have this thing where they just like spout tons and tons of like world building and exposition like it's going to be really important but you can tell like the points in the script where this stuff got paid off are gone like they they got cut um i also love how much adr there is in this which is comparable to the to like the reshoots in suicide squad um where, like, an actor is there, but it's, like, a wide shot, and it's pretty far away, and you don't think that they're, like, moving their lips, but then, like, some jokey joke comes out, and you're like, they added that in post. That was not there originally. Um, but the big thing is that, like, when I think of what works in Hellboy, which is, like, basically just the fight scene with the giants, which I thought was good, um... Then compare it to what works in Suicide Squad, which is just, like, some small, like, character moments, like, Viola Davis is a good Amanda Waller, for instance. Um, Sure. I feel like like Suicide Squad kind of, like, gets, like, the edge. This is the same thing with X-Men Apocalypse, where where Michael Fassbender as Magneto and his, like, kids dying or whatever. Like, even if it's stupid and contrived and the rest of the movie makes no sense and all of this other stuff, right, like... That was still a better moment than fighting the giants was in Hellboy, and I'm pretty sure that's the only thing in Hellboy I thought was good. Yeah, I, I didn't dislike Apocalypse as much as you did. I don't think, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, if we're gonna if we're gonna go that way, I don't think I don't think Hellboy is going to win an Academy Award for costuming. So I guess I'll give it to, <laughs> to Suicide Squad. Yeah. Yeah, my favorite thing was actually about, uh, like, you know, there's the, the horns where he, like, shaves and files down his yeah. horns or whatever. Um, and you could clearly tell that, like, the horns were not really well attached to David Harbour's forehead. Yeah, because it um, moves, right? Yeah. Because, yeah, because it moved. And so they, like, framed it, like, they, they shot it just out of frame so that they wouldn't have to, like, show the horns fucking, like, wiggling back and forth. And I was just like, oh, my God, this is, like, awful. This is so bad. Yeah. Yeah, no, uh, I think, we were talking about this off-cast a little bit, but I think that the actress that played Alice, it was, like, the worst performance I've seen in the oh movie God, in right? years. I know. Uh, I That introduction, where she, like, quoted the Jabberwock thing. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck is going on? What is going on? This is terrible. Yeah, and, and, it like, came, and it came right after the Giants thing too, which is why I was like, I was like, oh, like maybe this movie will kind of like turn around a little bit. And it's like, no, no, it won't. It'll just immediately fucking crumble and die. And they didn't even pay that off that well. Like they did the flashback, but like it was just Hellboy reading Lewis Carroll before he went and 
saved her or he didn't even save her he just like beat up the pig thing to be honest with you i don't even know the i don't even know the backstory i think i might have like went to pee like did they did they establish besides oh we are old friends how they were old friends see this is the thing that doesn't make any that's like i think you're right about the cutting and editing stuff is the pig dude was the changeling that tried to replace her when she was a baby Oh my god. But the implication is that he rescued her when she was a baby and like maybe that was the last time he saw her. So and like so she would have no idea who he was. I mean, yeah. I I guess it's theoretically possible like I think maybe they were supposed to have like gone back and like like it, they didn't do enough to establish that there was like a middle piece cuz like they they flash back to the to to the scene where um, the piggy was, or where, where the pig dude was, was, was the changing that replaced her. And then he basically like grabs it with, with iron, cold iron, and then tells him to bring back the baby and they do. And that's kind of the end of it. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, um, the thing that I couldn't keep thinking about, which I thought was hilarious was Ian McShane, you know, he plays a lot of characters like this, but I think his character in this movie most closely resembled his character in Hot Rod, where he is Andy's stepfather. <laughs> oh my god, you're right. I uh, didn't even think about that. It's basically, it's, he's got like the same like facial hair, it's the same kind of like tough love dad character, except this one's supposed to be serious. Which is, Actually, yeah, I really love Ian McShane, yeah. and I basically love him in everything, and I, I guess I think he did fine in this see like i i, I would say that that viola davis did well in suicide right. squad she was good in suicide squad ian mcshane was not good neither was david harbour who i also thought did fine, fine. yeah like you know um and i and i have a hard time telling if it's like because they had bad material um or because like the script was kind of like didn't didn't make any sense. Actually, I think it is because the script didn't make any sense. Yeah. Like, for instance, there's that one scene where they are like having a fight that is probably the best dialogue scene in the movie, right? Where they're in the bunker at Churchill's desk or whatever, and Hellboy is clearly feeling like conflicted about his status as both a weapon of the human establishment and a monster who is unacceptable by human standards or whatever, right? And he's expre- and and he's having that fight with like his dad or whatever. And I'm almost tempted to say that, like that was a good scene, but it wasn't. It wasn't a good scene because it wasn't well set up. Yeah. B- by the context of the movie at all, and so it kind of like it kind of like smacks you across the face with like drama that is fundamentally like unearned and kind of like unmoored. Um, because the movie is it's only making very like vague allusions to this thematic material, right? Yeah, um, I, th- this this movie in, in in kind of that way reminded me a little bit of of the Dark Tower in that it clearly was trying to do like seven hundred different things from the comic book. Um, I haven't read the comics; I, I have them loaded on my Kindle. I just haven't gotten around to reading them yet. But it, it seemed like that at least, right? Like they go through all these moments that I think were supposed to be like big moments in the comics. Um, and they're like not connected. Like this weird lobster thing that happens in the beginning is like he comes. Like there's like so many characters, and they're trying to do so many different things, and none of it like 
Yeah, the lobster right. thing is uh, so the the Hellboy creator Mike Mignola has another series called The Lobster uh, or like Lobster Jones or whatever it's called. I can't remember. Um, but that that's just like a shout out to like the other you know like continuity. I guess like comic thing that they that they have or whatever. Uh, yeah. So it was just really it was just really bad. Um, how much they kind of like whiffed in doing the in doing like the the setup foundational work in order to um, make the, the good stuff good like in another movie where the script is better and it flows better and it has better pacing that sorts of that sort of like sets up this interaction between Hellboy and Ian McShane um, that moment would be a really good one uh, but because it's kind of like it, it doesn't have any of the supporting pieces there. It just kind of like collapses in on itself, and you're a little bit like, "Holy shit, what the fuck is going on? Why are they arguing?" Yeah, like it's, it's like also like Hellboy feels like he has no reason to like like be this uh, conflicted the way he is, right? Like it, it's not like he he sees like it, it, it just like it it feels like he's just like horny, I guess. Because she was hot. Like, that's, like, the best thing I could come away with it from. I don't know. Also, also, like, does he does he have a name in the comics? Do you know? Uh, I don't. I'm not very, like, super familiar with the Hellboy comics. I've heard, like, two of them, and there's, like, a gazillion volumes. Uh, yeah, because, uh, like, Ian McShane referring to uh, Hellboy as... Uh, uh, as Hellboy, like, like, as, like, calling his son Hellboy as if it was his name just feels weird and bad. Like, this is the type of thing yeah. where you'd expect, like, Ian McShane's character to have, like, a name for him. That, like, you know, like, Ben or something. Um, so it doesn't feel so fucking weird. Uh, I don't know. I'm not finding any quick answer on, uh, 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 any quick answer on, on on Wikipedia? Yeah, fair enough. Um, how do you feel like this compares to the Guillermo del Toro? Uh, terribly. Have a good sense for that. Uh, I, I haven't I haven't seen the the Guillermo del Toro movies in a, in a while, but I remember them mm-hmm. being at least like I remember liking them a lot. But you know, this was like back in uh, like I guess high school for me. So yeah, um, I guess they could be bad, but I don't think they were this bad. Um, I actually feel like if we were to go back and revisit those Hellboy movies, I wouldn't like, we would not like them as much just kind of because of the, um, it's sort of like the Seinfeld effect, uh, in, in, you know, or like, I guess maybe like the cheers effect or something like that, where the, the art of making superhero movies has sort of like moved past and moved so far beyond with like. Um, the modern slate of superhero movies that we're we're getting now, that going back and watching the Hellboy movie would feel a little bit like trite in comparison. Um, that's my that's my guess. I remember liking them a lot, also. Uh, though I remember also thinking that the stakes were kind of small. Like, wasn't it just about that like one like monster, um, like the the one like aquatic dog or whatever that was like spawning over and over again and was threatening to like continue spawning um like 
What? what I what don't weird... remember. Yeah, I, I'm trying to remember. I really should have watched this uh, because it probably would have helped me. <laughs> it probably would have helped me out uh, in in rating the 2019 Hellboy movies. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I wanted to go back and watch them, but I didn't have enough. I didn't have enough time. I also wanted to read some of the comics because I've been meaning to for a while. Uh, maybe I'll do that this week, and we can. I can report in next week. But uh, wow, man, Hellboy came out in two. Th- uh, the uh, the Guillermo del Toro Hellboy came out in two thousand and four. Jesus, that's yeah. so long ago. Yeah, it was. Yeah. God, it was so much better. I'm just like reading through it again, and I'm now remembering because, like, because you know, <laughs> I appreciate that that this version of Hellboy didn't spend all that much time worrying about um, the continuity, you know, like stuff of like setting the stage of the BPRD and everything. Like, it just kind of took it all for granted. You're like, listen, you've seen this a dozen times before; you get it. Um, but. So part of me sort of thinks that that like legwork is important. Yeah, to setting this stuff up. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know if you need to do too much of it. Like I think, like I think if you were going to skip that, you also skip the origin story part. Mm-hmm. Um, also, like the whole encounter with like the the Osiris Club or whatever it was 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 bad. Like. Like, he just, like, he walks in, and they bring him into the secret area, and then, like, you know, he's here for a monster hunt. So, of course, they're just going to randomly explain his origin to him. Yeah, yeah, that was a big problem, I feel like. Like, I actually think that there's kind of, uh, like, there's almost kind of a precedent for this sort of, like, R-rated campy shit to work in the Kingsman movies. You know what I mean? Like, I think it would be cool to see, like, you know, the very much FBI-inspired kind of, uh, like, Elliot Ness BPRD teaming up with, you know, uh, the Osiris Club, like, this old boys club of, of like, monster people or whatever. And I was kind of hoping for something kind of along those lines in the same way that, like, the the most recent Kingsman movie was, like, about the fucking cowboy you know, like the cowboy secret agents teaming up with the James Bond secret age, secret agents. Um, but the the movie kind of like can't stop tripping all over itself, and so it completely like it just completely like fucks itself up, um, and it won't even like let that stuff work on its own terms. Like even the even the part where they turn on Hellboy and start like spearing the shit out of him. <laughs> Like, I mean, I don't know. It's just like everything is just kind of so out of nowhere. And I'm just like, what? At every at every plot turn, because nothing ever follows from, like, the thing that comes directly before it, it feels like. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. No, ab- absolutely. And, like, like, just, like, just, like, take that microcosm for an example, right? Like, like... Normally, this gets like classed as like you class as nitpicky bullshit, but it was just so bad that like I it couldn't help sticking to me. Like, you know, Hellboy, like the like the the giants kill the 
the Osiris Club people is just sparing Hellboy, but they leave Hellboy in the water until he gets out, and then they attack him. And also, like, the fact that that scene has Hellboy doing a bunch of cool and crazy shit with very heavy things, like, makes the scene beforehand where they just kind of stab him with a spear, like, entirely unbelievable or, like, entirely, like, inconsistent in a way that was just too obvious for me to kind of pass it, to, 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 to look past it. Um, like, this is, this is a thing that happens, uh, uh, kind of a lot, like, um, where, where, like, characters have, like, an inconsistently applied trait, but, like, it, it just felt, like, a little bit too much. There were a couple moments yeah. like this, too, like, like, when he, when he pulls Excalibur at the end, um, and, like, hell opens up for, like, half a second, um, by the way, those monster designs were pretty cool, but, like... They were just, they were all, this was, they were also guilty of this kind of like, what is happening? And then like, n- nothing interacts with it. And then he puts the sword down and they all go away. It just, but like, yeah, that's the part that really frustrates me with some of that stuff because I, I really enjoy the monster designs for the stuff in this movie. I actually think a lot of that stuff was really kind of like solid. But because it was so unmoored from the rest of the story and, like, the plot, like, when it cuts away to all of the monsters coming out of hell and, like, just killing random people in super bad CGI gore fest, like, I was almost kind of on board with it in a, in, like, a campy Evil Dead sort of sense. You know what I mean? Like, this is taking a lawnmower to a zombie's face and spewing fake blood everywhere, you know? Like, don't, don't think about it too much, but, like... Because it's the, but it's this perennial problem of everything in this Hellboy movie is unsupported by everything else in this Hellboy movie. So even if the thing would kind of be good on its own merits, it is bad in comparison to all of its other things. Like I really agree with you when it comes to like the giants. Like it is so crazy that Hellboy one v threes these giants and kills them. Right, but he can't take on like a couple of dudes with fucking spears. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah, and and so like it really undercuts how good and interesting and cool that action scene was because of the kind of surrounding plot that it is sort of mired in. Um, and in the same way, right? Like you have this big epic confrontation and this big climactic culminating moment for Hellboy the character as he's trying to decide whether or not to join the fucking monsters or save the humans or like whatever right and so it cuts away to a bunch of people dying in really campy ways and it's like why are you cutting away from the main character at their most important dramatic moment right like just to show us a bunch of gore yeah and not only that but on on top of that like in again this is like weird little stuff but like we just established that they told everybody to stay inside because there's a plague and there's just people walking around outside apparently unperturbed when they come out of hell. And on top of... Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like, it's not even like they're, like, mildly panicked, right? Like, running around. It's just, like, they're walking around normally. And and the, the other thing that, that, that really bothered me, and this, again, this is a weird little thing, but, like, there's a shot from, like, the doorway of the cathedral, and it looks like Hellboy's maybe, like, twice as big as he was before, and he looks pretty CGI'd. Like, you see him standing out of the hole... And a queen's in between us and the camera, and then he's in the in the background. But then when they go back to he's like normal size, but with horns, and like 
it's the, one of those things that's just so obvious that I can't help but notice it. And, it, you know, I mean, at that point, I'm already writing off the movie, so I guess it doesn't matter too much. But, like, I don't I know. I also really, really, really wish that the... Um... I really wish that the movie was, like, a little bit, like, worse or stupider because then it could be, like, Venom, maybe. Yeah, then it could but be funny, at least. Yeah. I was really hoping – I was actually, like, really, really hoping um, that it was going to go that way, that it was going to become like Venom. Uh, but it just was, like uh, – Venom was, like, weird – and it was funny, and I don't know why. I There's something magic about how hilarious that movie was in the theater, even if it was, like, bad or whatever, right? Like, that was probably one of the better theater-going experiences I had in 2018, um, just because it was all kind of so absurd. But for some reason, Hellboy was just, like, worthy of, like, loathing, right? It was not worthy of laughing. Yeah, because it's it's, like... Like, the serious moments were just boring, not intentionally funny. And, like, the funny moments weren't... Like, the moments that were supposed to be humorous, like... Like, part of what it, what what makes Venom work is that the jokes are kind of funny on their own and also, like, funny in the absurdist kind of frame of what is supposed to be an otherwise relatively serious superhero movie, right? Like, um... Like, you know, like, this doesn't make any sense and it's absurd and it's funny, but that just doesn't happen in this movie. There's there's a thing I wanted to identify because this was a thing that I thought was actually kind of valuable a little bit from, like, a larger perspective um, in that, like, the bathos typically bothers you a lot more than it bothers me. Um, and this movie had a ton of it, but in a way that I think is unique and I think can, like, like indicate a really bad version of bathos like a really bad like so the classic example you use when describing bathos is in thor ragnarok um uh mark or the hulk bruce banner jumps out yeah, of yeah, the yeah. plane and slams into the rainbow bridge um and fails to turn into the hulk now the thing there is like the the humor there is is bruce banner is tr- is trying to be serious and he fails right like he's not like motor mouthing which is like the other form of humor you get right um, the difference with this movie is the bathos is a character switching between serious and motor mouthing and motor mouthing at, 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 at the wrong time. And in a way that like feels like they're, they're trying to switch gears too fast, like humor wise uh, or like tone wise. Um, and so I think that's, that, that's, that's a thing worth highlighting at least. Cause it's at least a thing that you can point to and be like, this is significantly different, right? Like you can do like the Hulk doesn't isn't trying to be funny when he slams into the bridge. Hellboy's trying to be funny when he quips right after he was being serious. I can't remember exact lines, but I do remember a couple of moments where he's like being really serious, then he like throws out a one liner and it just feels very very off base. It feels yeah, like some of that time I feel like it's the ADR that I was talking about. Yeah, ADR <clears throat> being the additional dialogue replacement or something like that. Like. Um, but it's when, the, after a movie is, like, shot and cut, they'll bring the actors in to re-record lines um, that didn't quite get captured on the day very well. A lot of times this happens in, like, big action movies or whatever when you need a line to be, like, like audible and clear, but, like, the, the captured audio on the day of filming was just, like, not good enough. They'll, like, re-record their lines. Sometimes, though, they will use ADR to be like, well, let's punch this up with a few jokes. And so they add dialogue, even if it wasn't, like, said 
on the day. And I feel like that was like a lot of the the humor was just kind of like ADR bullshit that was kind of like added in post in really awful ways. Yeah, and, and like, you know, there's no way to know this, but what it what it what it felt like to me was some like some executive looked at it and was like, these movies are supposed to be funny, like those Marvel movies. Add some jokes in, um, and it didn't work. Um, not that I know if that's the case, obviously, but uh, like it, 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 I don't know. It felt cynical to me, at least, like that. This, this whole movie just felt like I, I don't know. Uh, like the, the characterization was kind of inconsistent. I don't know. Hell, Hellboy never read to me like a, a guy who was like like he feels almost like he's a teen. In this movie, right? Like, in terms of his attitude, if that makes sense. Um, uh, I don't know. There's just, like... Uh, I, think, I think part of it is um, the general kind of, like, failure of this kind of humor really backfires on you because it makes it feel like you're just like a snotty teen you know what i mean like i i've seen this happen before in other movies uh like justice league kind of does this right um where it kind of tries to like emulate that marvel humor but because like the jokes aren't as good it not it it's not just that it like fails but it just like really fails because like the jokes become not just like unfunny, but like cringy. You oh, know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I think I that that's that. exactly the same sort of thing that happens in this specific Hellboy movie, where a lot of the jokes. I mean, like some of the jokes, like kind of work and are fine, like small things in Hellboy. You know, like in Hellboy's just rudimentary dialogue will kind of be like okay or whatever. But then some of like the bigger jokes will just completely fall flat on their face and it will not just like not just the joke is bad but it will just like kind of be a cave-in of everything else that's going on in that scene like the point when you know he's talking to like the blood queen and she's like join me and he's like lady you're fucking nuts i was like oh my oh oh my god yeah it was because it completely like yeah it just like implodes the rest of that scene and it takes with it all of the dramatic weight that not that like you know Mila Jovovich is the most uh, talented actress out out there or whatever, but like insofar as that scene was working on a dramatic level and was truly offering Hellboy this chance to you know like betray the humans and join the fucking monsters or whatever, um, the 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 joke not just you know it doesn't just undermine itself by being unfunny it undermines the whole rest of the scene. Yeah, you know what I mean? It, it doesn't it, it it doesn't work on like so many levels, right? Like it's not funny in the first place. It's a bad line read from David Harbour. I don't like I didn't it didn't feel particularly yeah. well read. It's like not that reaction isn't earned because like the last thing we see if I remember correctly is Hellboy seriously considering maybe you know Yeah, you know exactly. Like how can he simultaneously think that she is fucking nuts? But also at the same time be like, hmm, maybe the monsters should be allowed out or whatever, right? Like, those just don't make sense together. Yeah, um, and yeah, and, and it, you're right. It's just kind of like, it's it's one of the first times that I really felt like the huge bathos thing that you were talking about. Because like, you know, it 
it's there is there is some tension in that scene, right? Like they, like you know, it's it's not it's not a, again it's not a great movie, but like it's building tension. It just kind of like like you said blows it away. Uh, <sighs> yeah. Also, like it's like a lot of little things that like feel weird. Like Merlin summons Excalibur, and then they find it again like two minutes later. Like that just felt weird. Like, oh my god! Yeah, the the whole thing with Merlin was honestly, if the if the movie was getting close to that level of uh, like Venom goodness, it was that whole bit where you find out that he's secretly fucking the heir to King Arthur. Arthur yeah, I was just like, oh my god, are they really going there? <laughs> yeah, like that's why why I said like. This feels like they were just trying to get through a lot of points from the comics. Because I know that's a thing that's true from the comics. That he is like a descendant of Arthur in, in some oh, way. Oh, really? I actually yeah. did not know that that was a thing in the comics. So it felt like one of those things is like, well, we, we, we have to do all of Hellboy in this movie. Although there's a sequel hook at the end. Uh, we need to do all of Hellboy in this movie. So we've got to hit all the important like points. Like, I don't think that's referenced in the, in the, in the Guillermo del Toro movies. It doesn't really need to be, right? Like... Yeah, and, I, I don't think so. I mean, the Hellboy the Hellboy comics are pretty famously like not too worried by their continuity, right? Like they're all pretty standalone compared to you know, like compared to something that's very continuity laden, like the Marvel or, or DC universes. Um, and so people typically like they will think about Hellboy in those kinds of terms, but. The Hellboy comics really just aren't aren't structured that same way, which is fine, right? Obviously, right. there is some continuity to them, um, but they're not like overly concerned with continuity in the way that like you know, um, uh, the Marvel or DC universes are, where it's kind of like their chief sort of thing is being laden with continuity. Right, right, right. Um. um God, I was going to mention something else. Uh, yeah, I also think that that uh, so the sequel hook is something that also brought to light a very a very real problem, which is that I think that this team up of Hellboy, Alice, and uh, Daimyo, who I actually kind of thought was okay. I sort of like Daimyo. I wish he was in the movie sooner, um, and I wish he came into the movie more naturally than just like, oh, by the way, here's a new guy from a completely other paranormal agency in Britain, like. Yeah, I thought that the Osiris Club were those guys, but it turns out they're not those guys. But oh, hey, there's M11 who are also those guys. Like uh, that was, I thought that was. Awful. I also thought that I didn't, I was not a fan of of like Daimyo's actor's performance. I thought it was better than Alice's, but I also I thought it was not. I didn't think it was fine. Right? Like I thought it was worse mm. than that. Did I think it was fine? I guess I thought it was fine because I didn't really think about it either way. Fair enough. Um. I, yeah, I, you know, it it was whatever. Um, but I but I kind of liked that character. Sure. Um, but the thing is, is that like I feel like they really were missing something by not having Abe Sapien, at least from my limited understanding of Abe Sapien in like the Hellboy uh, 2004 movie, uh, like on the field with them. They didn't really have like a good straight man, if that makes sense. And yeah. I feel like if you had replaced Alice with Abe and you had kind of wise cracky hellboy gruff angry daimyo and um and kind of cerebral thinky man abe sapien that would have been a really solid 
kind of like three man team. But like, what does Alice bring to that team? Absolutely fucking nothing. You know what I mean? Um, and it really put that into stark relief at the very end of the film when they like discover Abe Sapien, so to speak, um, as like as the sequel hook, where it's like, boy, like that is a really big missing component to this movie is someone who can be, you know, uh, empathetic and smart and you know like like that that contrast to hellboy and to daimyo there really wasn't anyone along those kinds of lines yeah i I think there was part of the problem too like hellboy didn't really feel like he was wisecracking all that much like he felt more like he was like sulking quite a bit and like just not not like the character I, i guess like that i wanted him to be and maybe that's you know doesn't have to be the character i want him to be but it 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 didn't feel like he like it it felt like they wanted him to be wisecracky but then they didn't do it if that makes sense right like it it felt like that was the character that he was supposed to be but he didn't quite hit it um i think he spends a little bit too much time being like mopey and not like 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 his his objections are not like to to his father and whatnot are not like wisecracky or whatever they're just kind of like whiny which doesn't really fit hellboy like i get like i said you you could build a character that was that way but didn't feel like that's the character they were trying to build Does, does that make sense yeah yeah and i also think part of this is just like i this character archetype fails a lot of the time i find um, where it's tough to give a very like protagonisty arc to someone who is wisecracky. Um, it's the same sort of problem that like the the Pirates of the Caribbean four and five have when they make Johnny Depp as as Jack Sparrow be the protagonist, but also you know fucking rock star Keith Richards clever boy. Do you know what I mean? Where like Han you know, like Han Solo works in the context of Star Wars because all of the protagonisty stuff is handled by Luke, right? And he right. just gets to be wisecracky and cool. And he has a little character arc in there, right? But, like, it's not, like, the big main character arc that gets, like, a lot of time and attention um, and stuff like that. And so when you take that wisecracky character, but then you're like, oh, well, you know, he's he's tortured about his identity as a monster and a man... You know, like, it's just, like, tough to give that person a character arc without it feeling, like, hokey. Because part of them being cool is them being, like, self-assured and confident and, like, yeah. not conflicted this way. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, this, this just reminds me of, like, when we were talking about Deadpool 2. That, like, he would have benefited from been being a, a secondary character to the Cable main storyline. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that's absolutely true. Um... Uh, it's which is kind of funny because like it feels like Hellboy is almost Cable and Deadpool wrapped into one character, but obviously like the <laughs> like the the straight man aspects are handled by the other characters in his series. Um, but yeah, I didn't yeah. even like this. Like I don't know. Like I liked I, I like I said I haven't seen it in a long time, but I, I like I liked the Ron Perlman Hellboy. Much better than 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 this one, and which is a shame. Is I like David Harbor. Um, yeah, I like, I like David Harbor a lot too. Uh, I've heard that he did not do very many takes because he didn't like the prosthetics. That was also part of the <laughs> you know the thing, which you know I get that. 
didn't like it enough that he didn't attach to his head solidly enough. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I also think that to a certain extent, some of those pieces on his face were just not very, uh, like they're just not like very well designed prosthetics in general, right? Like it didn't allow him to emote really because they covered up his sort of brow and cheekbones. And so he couldn't do things to sort of, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, to, yeah. To uh, act with his face, uh, and that's just the prosthetics are bad, you know. Yeah, yeah. This is one of those things where, like, you know, if they couldn't attach it to his head so that the horn shaving scene made like worked, why not just not do the the horn shaving scene? Like, I get yeah. that it's kind of like iconic to the character, but like. Really? Like, you can... I feel like it's it's better off not do... Like, it was so bad. Like, it was so obvious that that it moved. Like, I, I couldn't believe that that shot had made it into the movie. I know, yeah. I was I felt that exact same way. Um, yeah. Boy, this movie was bad. It's almost like... It's so bad that there's, like, not even all that much to, like, talk about. Yeah, because, like... The, the the moments are bad, but they're not, like, bad in unique ways that we can, like, explore. Yeah, right? I feel like we were, like, pushing the time limit when we were talking about Venom. Because there's so much, you know, there's so much bad in that movie. But there's so much to that movie. Yeah. <laughs> there's just not a lot to Hellboy. There's just, like, not a lot going on, I guess, here. It's just, it's bad. It's, it's It was going to be bad. I, I kind of hope they make a sequel and make it bad in a good way. I like Hellboy the character, and I would love to see a fucking Venom come out of these guys. Uh, I wonder if they would be able to create something good um, with, like, out from under the heel of a micromanaging producer like that. Maybe. Who knows? Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm searching my mind for anything else. I, I really don't have anything. Uh do you maybe, like, want to talk about the Star Wars trailer? For, yeah, like, I mean, th- so there's a lot of other big shit going on right now. I feel like yeah, uh, yeah. I feel like the Star Wars trailer is a big one. So the Star Wars trailer for Episode Nine came out. Episode Nine is called The Rise of Skywalker. The trailer features a bunch of stuff, the most important of which is Emperor Palpatine laughing at, like, at the very the, end. yeah. Uh, which confirms that Emperor Palpatine is alive and back. Maybe he's not alive. Maybe he's a Force ghost. What are you, what are your thoughts on this trailer, Mango? Give it to me. Um, I am. I mean, first of all, there's there's not a ton in this trailer to really dissect, right? Like, I don't I don't know, like, like. I, I there's not a lot to, to to read out of it, but I think we can like talk about like some things that could happen right like i think sure. that like i think this is probably the worst named of any of the movies absolutely uh, which is which is a, a a take that i've seen a lot of places um uh, i think something you expressed was a fear that they were going to retcon ray's parents i which, really think they are and i'm going to hate it if they do i don't think that they, same i don't think that it is possible for them to make ray secretly a skywalker and have it be good I think definitionally making Rey a secret Skywalker would ruin the whole movie no matter what. <laughs> yeah, and unless like the only like and it would it would it would still ruin the movie but it would at least be funny like the the old joke that she's like 
Luke and Leia's secret bastard child. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, Force inbred. Uh, But, like... So, the, the, the good interpretation I saw, which I could believe, is that Kylo... It's, it's The Rise of Skywalker is about Kylo Ren. Okay. Which I could buy, would make a lot of sense to me, um, would fit thematically with the rest of it, and would, all, would be a neat thing to see, right? It would be, like, Kylo... Like, it's about Kylo Ren, like, uh, you know... On maybe on multiple fronts, right? Like he's going to be in charge of the first order in the next movie because Snoke's dead, mm-hmm. um, and he's gonna he's gonna have his moment where he kills Palpatine again because that would be that that would be rhyming like poetry enough for like someone to whack off to it. So I, I could see that happening. That that's my prediction is that in a scene sim- very similar to the last scene in Return of the Jedi, Kylo Ren throws Palpatine into a reactor or something. Um, what about you, buddy? You got any hot prediction takes? I don't like this trailer, and I think it is mostly because I am so afraid that they are going to... Essentially, I'm planting my flag in the the Last Jedi was good, like, hill, and I'm dying on it. And this trailer frightens me that they are going to retcon the Last Jedi... Um, or stuff that came out of The Last Jedi in a way that pisses me off. Um, which might just, you know, like, which might just be some of the, the like, it's it's so hard to have this kind of a conversation around Star Wars, right? Because, like, it's so huge in the culture, and there's, like, so much kind of going on uh, in, in, in the, the wider conversation around star wars that like just looking at the trailer and seeing the trailer is almost kind of impossible for me because i can't help but see it by being like oh boy like i swear to god if any of these fucking people that like hate the last jedi and are like oh the the episode nine was great because it retconned all the bad shit out of last jedi i'm going to fucking it'll make me so furious if that happens you know i i won't i won't say that i think the last jedi is good we've obviously done this to death but yeah i will i will plant my flag beside you and say if they retcon the good stuff about the last jedi out of it i will be mad as well okay yeah that that is a good distinction like if they retcon something like you know if they add in uh like a little bit of explanation about admiral holdo or something you know what i mean like yeah. like any any of the small little kind of like local ghost problems that we have in the last jedi if they if they recon some of that stuff that's not what i care about what i care about are like the big momentous things um that uh we that we have sort of established in ray not having special parents and she's just you know somebody on a backwater or whatever um the all of the stuff with like luke and being a hero and like the that legendary part of it like all that stuff i feel like should say the same and even i kind of don't think kylo ren should get a redemption arc um i think that they will do it and it's not the worst thing in the world i wouldn't call that a retcon because i think yes not you know i very much think that he could go either way right like that's been a whole you know like yeah that's been been the the whole the, the whole trilogy 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, I would be, I wouldn't be very mad if like the rise of Skywalker is like Kylo Ren coming around and fucking like Raylo actually happening. Um, that would be, I think that that would be a pretty okay direction. But I think I probably prefer the direction where no, Kylo Ren is unsalvageable and we gotta, we gotta fucking kill him. Um, because I really like the, I really like the way that the interaction in the throne room plays out. And I kind of think it cheapens that a little bit somewhat if um, if Kylo Ren does end up becoming good, right? Because that's the thing that I find that, like, that's part of what, what I think makes this movie so, uh, what makes The Last Jedi a strong film is, like, the decision that Rey has between, you know, kind of uh, latching onto her abandonment issues in the same way that Kylo Ren has latched onto his betrayal like these feelings of betrayal uh this feeling of betrayal that he has and how ray is kind of like in a lose-lose situation where she either does that thing and falls to the dark side or like the gray side or whatever and like gets rid of the jedi and the sith and joins kylo um or she like loses her friends and i feel like that like you know if you do a thing where kylo ren is redempt is redeemed um you sort of you 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 undercut that a little bit not a ton not irreparably not something that would kill the whole movie um but yeah you know i don't know it does undermine that moment a little bit and i think that that moment is really key to why uh to what i like about the last jedi and why i think the last jedi is good yeah i don't i don't quite agree with you there but like i i do agree that they like could do it either way and it wouldn't be the end of the world i think that they could like you know Go and explain who Snoke was or what was up with Snoke, and it wouldn't be like enough of a retcon to like be a problem. Yeah, yeah, uh, that stuff I think would be fine, you know. Yeah. Um. um yeah. I I just kind of don't know what to. Well, one thing I will say is that like I am totally. I I have no idea what this movie is going to be about, right? Like. Um, other than obviously, there's going to be some conflict between Ray and Kylo Ren. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, it could go in any direction, and that's kind of exciting. Um, uh, it could be good. Um, I know that's not a very strong statement, but like, I, I don't know what to expect at this point, right? Like, I thought TL or uh, TFA was bad, and this is the same director. But I don't think J.J. Abrams is incapable of making a good movie. Um, do you, what, what, what other J.J. Abrams movies do you like? Um, I enjoy... I kind of do think J.J. Abrams is just bad. Uh, what, did I, what did I see by him? I thought that... Like, he did all of the new Star Trek movies, right? Uh, he did the first two. The third one was Justin Lin. Oh, okay. I only saw the third one. Yeah, the uh, first two. See, th- this is my this is my thing with J.J. Abrams. I don't like the two Star Trek movies. I don't think they're very good. Um, and I also don't like uh, Super 8. Though I think Super 8 is better. Um, did you ever see that one? I don't think kinda so. Like that. It's, it's actually kind of like Stranger Things before Stranger Things, but it's like a little bit worse because it doesn't make as much sense because it's a movie. Um, but uh, I think that that is probably his best film. Um and 
maybe like like I don't know, maybe he can kind of come around on it, but I just I don't have a lot of faith in J.J. Abrams as a director. I just feel like he's not uh, he's not a, as capable a director as something like you know these these Star Wars movies kind of requires. Um, Mission Impossible Three is the other movie that he's done, um, which I have not seen. Yeah, neither neither I I have not seen any of these, so I cannot I cannot actually say wow wow I th- fair enough really I can't believe that you missed out on Star Trek and uh, Into Darkness. I saw the third one, which okay. I liked. Um, I, I've never been a big Star Trek person. I started watching Star Trek relatively recently. I watched all of Deep Space Nine, so you know I, I didn't never really cared that much. Right. Uh, but yeah, so I I, I don't know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, fair enough. Um, uh, I do wonder a little bit when it comes to this movie. Um. Uh, about what they're going to do with some of the other characters like Finn and Poe, I actually kind of feel like one of the problems um, with the new Star Wars movies, and this is very true of like The Last Jedi, is that like Poe and Finn, who are kind of trying to be like you know like the Han and Leia, shall we say, yeah. of uh, of like the new kind of triad, um, Poe and Finn are less developed and less interesting poe because he sits out almost the entirety of the force awakens um and then he only comes in to do kind of you know dumb stuff in the last jedi and then finn also kind of does dumb stuff in the last jedi and even though i'm a huge last jedi lover all of my love of last jedi is very much concentrated on the stuff between kylo ren luke skywalker and ray right and yeah, so I, mean, I sort of worry a little bit about those guys like have do they have the proper foundation to execute on anything interesting with them yeah i mean the the fundamental problem i think stems out of tfa where you know ray is too good at things right like ray is all of luke and han and leia's strengths and so there's nothing left for like and like finn has yeah. some of luke's weaknesses and some of like i don't know and like and Poe has some of Han's weaknesses, but they don't really, like... Poe at least has kind of, like, the, the skilled pilot, cocky flyboy stuff going for him. Um, Finn is just kind of, like, a ball of cowardice and nothing. Um, yeah, yeah, I very much feel that. And I think that it's one of those things where I don't know... You know, like, if this is the finale of the trilogy, and you want to see these characters, like, really pay off, where do you go with that? I, I, to be honest with you, I don't think Return of the Jedi does this amazingly well. This is something that I think um, I think the Red Letter Media guys like kind of pointed this out, but I find it to be very true, which is that like Han and Leia don't have much to do in Return of the Jedi, even though like they are major characters, just because like they have both completed sort of their character arc by falling in love with one another in Empire Strikes Back, and then Return of the Jedi, they don't really know what to do. Um, and I kind of feel like this is the opposite problem. Poe and Finn haven't gotten they they haven't gotten an arc or character in a in like a real kind of like deuteragonist sense. And so, what are you going to do in the third movie with them? How are you going to kind of like pay them off because they haven't set up anything to be paid off in the finale? In the same way that like you know in the Phantom Menace, you set up. Anakin Padme and Obi-Wan, you know, Anakin Padme and Obi-Wan work together to defeat whatever, and then they fall apart in the end of Revenge of the Sith. Um, 
Yeah. Which and, isn't, you know, like, and that's not to say that that was a good or bad thing. It's just like it happened, right? Um, whereas, it's funny because it feels like Finn is almost like, it's, it's almost like he has C-3PO's role rather than having like a character's role. Like, woof. Yeah. <laughs> no, but that's like, that's like what he is. He's like the, he, he makes, he's like a, the, like it's he's like a weird amalgamation of like C three PO and Jar Jar, which is like not a great thing to be, right? Like, because yeah. like he he feels like comic relief. It's 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 not it's not it's not good. Um, yeah, I, I'm interested to see if they do anything with kind of like the even more minor characters, like if they do anything with Rose, if they do anything with DJ, if they do anything with I don't know. I is there is there anybody DJ. else that I can really pull out of that hat? Like, uh, like maybe one of the assistant people that like one of one of one of the co mutineers on the uh, ship. I don't even think those people got names. Uh, I don't know. Excited to see uh, Billy D. Williams though. See Lando. Yeah. <laughs> like that was the high point of that trailer for me. It's like holy shit, they fucking did it. Oh god. Oh Jesus. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's 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 funny because I think he's aged the worst out of any of kind of like the original cast. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, one hundred percent. Like I mean, Harrison Ford just kind of is you know like he became like a movie star where I feel like Mark Hamill kind of like ended up doing kind of voice work and uh, Carrie Fisher sort of like faded out into the into the background. And the worst thing about them is like Carrie Fisher's voice is destroyed. Um, but she's still pretty capable, you yeah. know, like, but boy, Billy D. Williams, woof. Yeah, he like, is in his 60s, 70s maybe, I didn't even know. Like, Mark Hamill didn't look great before this trilogy, but he cleaned himself up really well for it. Like, yeah. he looked, he looks good in this trilogy. Jesus Christ, Billy D. Williams is 82 years oh, old. Gee, really? Yeah, I'm... he was born in 1937. What? <laughs> Maybe we're being a little too tough. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know what? I, you know what? He looks really good in Empire for being. How old would he have been in Empire? That's like like forty. He would have been forty three when Empire came out. Yeah, like he he doesn't look forty. Good job, Billy D. Wow. Uh, yeah. I. All right. Okay. Yeah. All right. You know what? <laughs> I I take it back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, and then the and then the last piece of this kind of like the emperor piece. Um, the emperor. I feel like there's no way to do this well. I feel like the emperor will like coming back is going to feel fanficy, sort of no matter what. Um. And I don't know how to sh- I, like. I don't know that it's possible for me to like shake that feeling. Uh, yeah, no, I, I I definitely get that. Um, like, I think this like, yeah, I I don't I I don't know. Like, especially because I know there's extended universe stuff around. Like, there was like like apparently the emperor had some sort of contingency around like if the empire fell, like that like somebody was supposed to destroy a bunch of stuff. That way, it didn't like that way. Essentially, like no one could take over for him in in a way that I didn't I haven't read the details of but like I I don't I just don't know how 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 you how you how you do that and have it not feel terrible yeah I I part of me actually kind of thinks that the empire 
or I'm sorry, the Emperor should be like almost a MacGuffin. Like it's like a reverse, yeah, sort of Luke Skywalker from the other movies, where going and like, you know, maybe it's not the Emperor. Maybe it's like a bunch of like hollow discs from the Emperor about something important or whatever. And Kylo Ren is trying to find them, and so now the heroes are trying to stop Kylo Ren before he gets to you know the Emperor in the same way that Kylo Ren was trying to stop the heroes before they get to Luke, sort of thing. Um, I think that would be maybe the best way you could handle it by kind of like not making him a real character and pushing him very off screen. But like they're really playing up the return of Ian McDermott, um, yeah. who is great and I love him and everything that he does with the Emperor. But I'm just a little bit like I don't know. Maybe maybe it's just to we just need to accept that this is like the fanficy conclusion to this trilogy. Yeah, it's got a fanficy name. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's got a fanficy name, and it's a fanficy movie about a you know in a fanficy trilogy, like in a fanficy trilogy, like, and we just gotta live with it. Yeah, you know, here's here's my guess. It's gonna be a a a standard kind of body swap plot, right? Like in oh, in God. or the Emperor oh, is trying to this. get into Kylo Ren's body. Is that that's my prediction? Oh, that would be so awful. I would... (laughs) That would be really horrendous. Oh, you know what would be great? If they retcon all the way back to episode, like, two or three, and, like, Emperor Palpatine has been Darth Plagueis the entire time. He switched oh into God. Palpatine's body and he's been doing it. Like, I could see that happening. I could see that happening. I'm trying to think of what the worst case scenario is. I think the worst case scenario might be that, like, the Emperor has been leading the First Order this whole time. Because that would completely dynamite the original trilogy. It was an yeah. absolute abject failure. There was no victory in the galaxy whatsoever. You know? <laughs> yeah, no. The, the If... If... Ian McDermott appears as the Emperor in person at any point, I think we're in, like, really bad territory. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, okay, that makes a lot of sense to me. Like, even if it's, like, a clone, which is what they did in the, the comics and, like, the EU novels um, with the, I can't remember, it's, it's called, like, the Imperial Remnant or whatever, who rally around, like, a clone of Emperor Palpatine or whatever. Oh, God, that would be so awful yeah <sighs> yeah I, like, oh it, my god <laughs> like, like if he's a ghost or a hologram i think it's it's potentially okay mm-hmm. um but i think if I, I think if he shows up in the flesh it's it's not like it's it's not it's not gonna go good it's okay what good. else has been going on in your uh in your week oh i saw um the Man Who Killed Don Quixote, which oh, wow, stars wow. Adam Driver, or Kylo Ren. Uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, it was a I, – I very much enjoyed it, but I'm like a – what like my favorite directors are like the Coen brothers and uh, and oh, what's what's the other guy's name? Uh, Wes Anderson. Mm-hmm. And I do – I liked Brazil a lot. I haven't seen a ton of other Terry Gilliam stuff, but this felt like – it felt – it reminded me a lot of Brazil – my impression is that this is the way that Terry Gilliam films kind of are. Um, it's weird. It's not like I wouldn't call it a perfect film. I understand why it has like it's got like a sixty, like an, an a sixty score on like Metacritic. 
like a 63% on Rotten Tomatoes. I understand why. Um, I really enjoyed it, though. Um, and I feel like if, if you're into those kinds of weird movies, um, The Man Who Killed Don Quixote uh, will probably do it for you, too. Um, you know, just a lot of weirdness, a lot of cool shots, I thought. A um, lot of great acting between the principal people, which was Adam Driver and I, I forget who plays. Um, essentially, the, the 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 brief thing, which you don't quite get from the opening, is that um, when Ad- Adam Driver's character is a director of commercials at this point, but um, and he's filming a a Don Quixote based commercial, but uh, a number of years ago he had filmed a student film. Um, which was based on Don Quixote, um, and it won some awards. And uh, he's meeting some of those people. He he just like happens to run into some of those people from that first movie. And the person who played Don Quixote, who is an old shoemaker, now thinks he really is Don Quixote, and it just kind of follows. And it's like it follows kind of like the actual plot of the book, not super closely, but like you know. The guy thinks he's Don Quixote. Don Quixote, the character was delusional, so it kind of fits. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, it, I thought it was, I thought it was pretty great. It was, it was very kind of surreal. Um, and uh, I really liked it. I recommend it to to people who like weird movies. I guess is the right way to put it. Cool, um, cool, very cool. Yeah, uh, that was the, probably the biggest thing. What about you? You do anything? Uh, I have returned to my perennial love, StarCraft Two. I've been replaying through that game. Um, God, the story mode in StarCraft is really something else, and I am, like, forever disappointed that it is, like, over. Um, Because there really kind of is, like, nothing like it that really combines, like, interesting and, like, compelling gameplay mechanics with, uh, like, a a good, solid story in, in, like, the strategy space. Um, most strategy games kind of like, they, they have a story, but it's like a story that you sort of write. It's like procedurally generated story, right? Where like, you know, I could sit down and I could narrate like, oh, this awesome thing happened in my total war campaign. And I could tell that story, but it's not like a narrative in that, in that same kind of way. Um, and I kind of just like forgot how much I loved the narrative to Starcraft two and to Jim Rayner and getting, you know, it's, it's crazy because like, it kind of hits on that thing that we talk about uh, or that we have talked about before, which is the that the appeal of that kind of framework of like you and your pals running around the galaxy like completing odd jobs, right? Battletech also actually does this. is an, it was, it was another great example of this. Um, because you are running through the different uh, like you're running through the different missions and you're picking up like these colorful characters and adding them to your ship like Gabriel Tosh or, you know, fucking uh, Dr. Ariel Hansen and stuff like that. Um, and you get to follow them on their own like the side stories like Dr. Ariel Hansen is all about evacuating refugees in the face of the renewed Zerg offensive. Um and uh, Tosh is all about, like, the terrazine gas, which is creates super dangerous, you know, specters who are mega powerful ghosts um, and stuff like that. So there's just, like, there's just, like, a lot of, like, cool stuff 
in like the ambient world building and character work of of a game like this. I just feel like I haven't played a game like this in a really like long time. Um, even playing you know other kind of narrative like narrative based games, they don't like they don't quite hit it as squarely on the head as StarCraft Two uh, hit it. Um, I'm also surprised to see that so many people are still playing StarCraft 2. Every time you log in, it'll show you, like, this number of games are being played. This number of, you know, like, whatever. And every time I log in, it's like 50,000 StarCraft games are being played. And I'm like, 100,000 people? Like, maybe more are still playing this game? Jesus Christ. Like, Yeah, I mean, it, yeah. it's it's probably the single... Like, if you like RTSs, I think there's not really anything else out there for you. Yeah, that, right. that is absolutely true. It's funny because, like, I have been playing so many strategy games like Total War, like Civilization, like uh, the the whole Paradox Suite, that, like, going back to being in real time was actually, like, rough. Um, and I, like, failed a mission because I wasn't moving fast enough. And I was just kind of, like, like, I created a powerful economy, but I didn't leverage that economy before the time ran out on like the arbitrary like mission deadline or whatever. And I realized I couldn't complete the mission anymore. Um, and that was like, Oh, that was kind of like a kick in the pants. I was like, Oh man, like th th this is, I kind of forgot how hard this is because like in some of these other, you know, like in these other games, you can sit there and, you know, like maximize your economy and then work on lever leveraging that economy to make a military or whatever. Um, without the same sort of like time pressure but if you're not doing both of those things kind of simultaneously in starcraft you are failing um so yeah yeah I, I think i think this is a consequence i think that uh ultimately uh starcraft and like the the kind of twitch rts's of the era got largely replaced by mobas in both kind of like the uh and kind of like the form factor scene in the esports scene um so yeah, it's, it's it's like there used to be a bunch of RTSs and they they've mostly disappeared, which is it's kind of strange. But uh, yeah, that's, I, I, Starcraft was probably the best one in the first place because it was probably the only one that did three non uh, three three completely different sides well. Every other most other games did kind of like. You know, same chassis with a couple of unique units on top. Um, like each civilization is the same chassis with a couple of unique units on top. So it's kind of not surprising to me that it's still kicking. I guess I, I guess I, I would have expected maybe that there would be more content coming out for it than um, if it's doing so well. Because it is like the only There thing is content um, in the form of co-op. Um, have you heard? Have you seen any of this? Co the co-op mode in StarCraft Two is actually a lot of fun. I've played it a bunch of times with uh, with Charles and a little bit with Rachel, where you choose a commander, like so you'll choose like Jim Rayner or you'll choose like you know Zara Tool or something, um, and you get you know like and you get like buildings and stuff like that, but you don't get like a full roster. You get like so if you choose Jim Rayner, for instance, you get only Terran infantry units like Marauders, Firebats. 
um, stuff like that, right? And then if you choose Swan, who's like the mechanic guy, uh, you only get vehicles. So you get like siege tanks and Goliaths, but you don't get like Marines and stuff like that. Um, so it really dramatically changes the way that you have to approach the game. Um, and the co-op things are PVE missions where you are fighting against the Zerg and trying to complete, you know, X, Y, or Z. Um, but then there's also mutations is what they're called on those missions, which is a little bit like mythic dungeons in that they introduce like weird and different rule sets to things. So like, for instance, it, the first time an enemy unit is damaged, it generates a shield, um, like equal to the damage it just took or something like that. So that D incentivizes stuff like siege tanks, which would give the units a big fat shield versus something like Marines, which fire frequently and would give it a small shield. You know what I mean? So like that stuff is apparent. Like, I I guess that's apparently what Starcraft is doing because that is what they have been releasing for Starcraft two recently. Yeah. That sounds like a thing that like is relatively easy to produce on kind of like a, you know, it's like a team. Yeah. Um, on a team level rather than like big new maps or anything. Uh, so that's not super surprising. Um, but yeah, neat. Um, have you uh, been watching uh, Imperator stuff uh, for the impending release of Imperator Rome? Not a ton, but a bit. Like uh, Quill 18 dropped a five video miniseries mm-hmm. earlier this week. I watched two or three of those parts. I've been looking at like various little videos that go over various subject little features and I'm pretty hype. Um, I played some CK2 today with, uh, with, with friends of the cast, X and Nick, just kind of because we all wanted to scratch that kind of itch a little bit. Um, but I, but these mechanics look really cool to me. Um, Imperator, like the, uh, the kind of different, like, Family stuff you have to balance. In fact, you've got a whole bunch of different resources to to play against. It feels like it looks like it's like not as deep character wise as CK two and not as deep nation wise as E four, but kind of a blend of the two, which is neat to me. Um, you know, things that feel like like if Civilization feels almost entirely like a board game, um, Paradox games feel like. They've got like some board gamey elements, um, and this feels like I need like from what I've seen, the Imperator feels like it's like a step even further away from kind of like the could be reduced on it or could be reproduced on a tabletop thing, which is not necessarily a good or a bad thing, but it's very definitely very interesting. Um, like maybe a step more like if if you've got a continuum of like Total War to Civilization with Paradox somewhere in the middle, Paradox games somewhere in the middle, Imperator definitely feels like it's a little bit more toward the Total War side. Which is neat, um, but uh, but yeah, I haven't been. I like I, I I I can't give you detailed breakdowns on the mechanics or whatever. But I'm I'm super hyped for it. Um, they they announced some stuff for uh, for speaking of Total War, they announced some, some DLC for it, right? You want you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So the the DLC that got announced for Total War is the Prophet and the Warlock, uh, which is the Lizardman and Skaven Lord pack. Um, the it it introduces uh Tenwan, who is like a um the Lizardman army has like a couple of different tiers, right? There are the skinks who are kind of like gecko people. There are the, like the Sauruses who are like real you know regular old lizard folk with like scales and shit. Um there are the Slan who are the big frog priest mage priest guys. Uh and then there are the Croxagores who are the crocodile dudes. Um and they have added uh, in this DLC pack, 
the um, the the big skink legendary lord named Tehenwan, who's like the prophet of Sotek or whatever, who's like one of the lizardmen gods. Um, the other thing, and then they've added like a ton of units with this. I was actually surprised at the number of lizardmen units they are adding to the game. Um, things like Ripperdactyls, who are like pterodactyls, uh, just as like a flying, you know, kind of like melee creature monster unit. Uh, salamanders, who are fire-breathing dinosaurs, the ancient salamanders, one giant big fire-breathing dinosaur. Um, and then the uh, the Skaven are getting Clan Scryer. Clan Scryer are the warlock engineers who make all of like the crazy mad scientist, you know, um, contraptions of the um, the mad scientist contraptions of the Skaven. And so they are adding units like the Warplock Gisales, who are kind of like a ranged unit full of snipers who use big, long, you know, like sniper rifles. And uh, the Rattling Gun, which is a big, you know, uh, which is a unit of Gatling gunners that fire like fully automatic rounds of of their weapons and stuff like that they're, they're also adding i think the warp flare um which is like the or the doom flare which is like the doom wheel but tiny if like if the doom wheel is like a tank then the warp flares are like a motorcycle kind of um but they're but the, but they're adding actually a lot of other neat things in the free lc patch that i find really interesting so for instance the Skaven are now getting a feature called the Under Empire, which allows them to create bases in other people's cities, right? So, like, as a Skaven, I could create a, um, I could kind of, like, like, let's say you have a, a, a city, I could go to that city, create a Skaven enclave in the Under Empire, excuse me, and add a bunch of buildings to it, like, I would add buildings to my own city, but, like, that building, but those buildings have, like, negative, negative economic effects on the, the enemy empire, so it'll, like, increase Skaven corruption by a bunch, or, like, give me some of your money and stuff like that. This is actually a feature that they added in the Vampire Coast DLC, where the vampires could do this. If I attack a coastal settlement, I can turn it into a pirate cove, which leaves the settlement there, but it allows me to build a building that will, like, increase the vampiric corruption here by a whole bunch, or siphon half of all of the all of the gold that gets made here um, into my... Uh, into my economy stuff like that so that stuff is very cool uh they're also adding changes to the dlc or the to the the bretonian lords which i have not seen in depth yet but i am insanely fucking hyped for this i've actually been getting back into total war and it's one of those this always happens to me when like i hear new total war stuff is out i'm like oh man i should go back and play total war and now i've started out a bunch of um the i started out a bunch of total war games with like campaigns uh, and I'm not going to finish any of them because one of the things that sucks about like getting the new content is that like you can't upgrade into a new patch on an old game um, and so there will just be no clan scryer and I won't be able to you know recruit all of these new units and stuff like that so by this time next week I will have to re, re like remake new campaigns uh, with all of the new stuff because that is you know that's cool so that was like a big giant commercial, I guess. But I love yeah. this game, and I love these. These, I just, I just want to, I just want to keep playing it. I, it, it's people are talking about Total War Warhammer Three, um, which might be like the next big announcement. Uh, it is unclear whether or not they are going to do another 
campaign packs, kind of like they did Norska in um, in Total War Warhammer 1. It's kind of like unclear if they're going to do another race pack because basically at this point, all of the big races, like the real races, have been established definitively. Um, the only kind of standouts being the guys that are pretty clearly coming in Warhammer 3, which are probably going to be Daemons of Chaos, uh, Chaos Dwarves, Ogres, and Kislev. Um, what so is Kislev? The, uh, Kislev? Is that the Russians? Yeah, Kislev is the Russians. Kislev actually exists in Total War Warhammer 1. They just use the Empire mechanics. Um, there's also been some talk about Dogs of War. Dogs of War are the mercenary companies... Um, that you can actually hire into any any army in like the rule book or whatever. So there's also been some talk about adding the dogs of war down to the sort of uh, the southern provinces, like uh, it's called like Astalia is Spain, Antilia is Italy. Um, so adding some of those dogs of war slots to them might be a thing. Who knows? Uh, is is Araby a, a current thing? Or so Araby might happen, and that is something that a lot of people are hoping happens because it would be awesome. Everybody has like a lot of like neat shit in there. Um, for like, so, uh, Araby doesn't have, it doesn't have like a rule book, but neither did Norska and neither did like the vampire coast either. Um, they basically just like invented it all of their own volition. But the cool thing about Araby is that they like, they use genies for things. Like I think all of their casters are genies. Um, and they also have like flying carpets. So like they have an aerial unit. That's like a flying carpet. They're like flying carpet guys with fucking scimitars and shit. Like, so, uh, people have, people have raised concerns that CA wouldn't do it because it's racist, which, I uh, you know, I may, maybe who knows uh, <laughs> I kind of, it's one of those things where it's like I you know it probably is racist but what are you gonna do like yeah yeah I mean it's like I, Aladdin's coming out right so you know oh god yeah that can be how much how much how great would it be if Total War 3 featured Araby and one of the the lords was Will Smith as a genie <laughs> uh great i guess i think that would be great <laughs> oh. um so yeah yeah uh oh, do we have anything else to talk about is there is there any particular piece of video gaming news that's interesting to you uh, so did you see the jedi fallen Gen oh yes that also came out Star recently Wars yeah, yeah. Jedi stuff respawns um, single player, no multiplayer, no microtransactions. God, do they want you to know that there are no microtransactions to this game. Um, which I'm baffled by. That they are using, like, their own predatory, you know, like... Like, they have games on the market with microtransactions, right? Like, not, not only right that, now, but by the same dev, right? Like, this is the same people that make Apex Legends, which is yeah, a great exactly, game. Yeah, exactly, which like, is a great game, but full of microtransactions. And so it is mind-boggling to me that EA is like, hey, guys, no microtransactions. <laughs> like, I, what so a it, weird market. Like, So if, if, as the marketing department, your thought is, is that Apex Legends is for one group of people and Jedi Fallen Order is for another. It's not that mind-boggling, right? Like... 
you know, Apex Legends is for like, hey, we hear you people who don't play Apex Legends. You want a thing that's different. And this is the thing for you, um, which is okay, I guess, right? Um, my favorite thing that I saw was it's like, they, there's a tweet from me that's like, no, all single player, no multiplayer, no microtransactions, really, we promise. And then a tweet from them, I think that was earlier, which is also from uh, Fallen Order that says, trust no one. Um, it's like somebody's put them right next to each other in in the time in their timeline. So, uh, you know, that's that's funny. Um, but uh, I don't know. It could be like I am less excited for that. I mean, I, I you know, it looks neat. Um, I was a big fan of Jedi Knight. Two back when I was in like middle school. Oh I played yeah, I played crap the out of that fuck game. out of that game, dude. The multiplayer in that game was really fun. Yeah, I, I never played the multiplayer. Just kind of like the the these weird blocky levels that went on for forever. But that was this game was just like so much fun. Uh, yeah. Um, but it's definitely the right way to. It's this is like the 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 hard thing to do with Star Wars games is like you can't have like. Jedi be like a base, like a base option because everybody wants to choose Jedi always, right? Like this was a big problem with the old Republic is like no one wanted to play the non-Jedi class, non-Sith classes. Um, this is why like in the original MMO galaxies, Jedi were not like, they were like a special feature in uh, all the Battlefront games, old and new ones included. Uh, the Jedi are always like special power up versions of characters in KOTOR and uh and in uh the old Jedi Knight games you were you're always your your character like usually grows into a Jedi after having been not a Jedi for some period of time looks like that's going to happen here by virtue of the fact that, like you're just not going to have a lightsaber for a while cuz it's like post order 66 um and you just have like mild force powers so yeah um it'll be inter- it'll definitely be interesting to see um i like the guys that respawn a lot i you know, on the record, is loving Titanfall. I really like Apex Legends, so uh, I've got I've got faith. Um, it's I don't want to say it's worrying, but it's at least pause worthy that that's that this is coming out in November, um, which will be two games in a year from from Apex or not from Apex from Respawn, and they're not a huge studio, so we'll see, I guess. Yeah, I, I, I have seen some speculation that says that Apex probably tanked, or I'm sorry, uh, Respawn probably tanked the budget um, on the game quite a bit in order to make, uh, in order to make like a viable single player experience work. So it's like, you know, it's not like a, I, I would hesitate to call it a side project, um, but the speculation is that, like, in the same way, you know, like, Shazam was a pretty cheap movie to make. And so, like, even though Shazam only made, like, $50 million in its opening weekend, that is a success because, like, it's, like, a $50 million movie, right? Like, not every superhero movie has to be a $200 million, like, extravaganza sort of thing. Um, and in the same way, you kind of, like, the idea is that, like, maybe they applied that sort of mid-tier budgeting logic to this, which is why this game is... Um, you know, like, it doesn't need microtransaction or multiplayer or anything kind of to make it a live service because people will be satisfied playing it the one-and-done way in the same way that, like, people are satisfied playing Assassin's Creed or whatever. Yeah, no, I could buy that. Um, it, it wouldn't surprise me if this was, like, a 
relatively short campaign. Like, like this is essentially like the spiritual coven of the Titanfall two campaign. Um, yeah. Um, but we'll, we'll see, I guess. Speaking of sci-fi games by EA, we never talked about the uh, kind of big anthem bombshell that Kotaku dropped, did we? Yeah, yeah. Jason Schreier put out a huge article about the production behind uh, Anthem. Uh, well, as the big Anthem player, what's what are, what are your your kind of reactions to it? Uh, I mean, you know, I, I've seen a lot of people who kind of weaponize this piece as validating, which I don't really think it is. Um, like uh, Jason Schreier has put out this piece in spirit before and i'm not surprised to see it kind of like show up here again um like he did one about mass effect andromeda he did one about destiny i actually think he wrote a book about the one with destiny um and and so i'm i'm not surprised at all to to kind of uh see that he is able to uh like break down exactly that's go what's going on inside of the studio i think the real interesting piece is that bioware like responded to it in a really like negative gross way which i was like ooh, you know like even if i like you know if anything the jason schreier's piece made me feel a lot of sympathy for bioware like they were in a tough position making you know uh like making a game without a lot of leadership and direction and with a whole bunch of contradictory information and not like ironing things out and laying them down in a in a in a clear kind of decisive way so i understand how people you know would be destroyed by the kind of stress that they are under um and so i had a lot of kind of sympathy for the people at bioware especially because like you know then anthem gets released and then it becomes like this you know huge clusterfuck like huge clusterfuck and everybody is like shitting all over it and all over them like yeah like that must be brutal to kind of like go through and then bioware releases this statement i mean maybe i shouldn't say bioware it's not like the the, the real people that i have a lot of sympathy for are not like the leaders the like the leaders so so I, it, this was part of the thing that was kind of like uh notable about it is usually someone at bioware will like sign it right like this was like a from Bioware as an organization piece, which mm-hmm. kind of I think speaks to the fact they really didn't want anybody. Nobody wanted to sign their name to it. Um, uh, and to kind of finish your thought out. It's it, they basically were like we we believe in stuff that builds people up and not tears people down. Um, and uh, it was posted so quick. Like uh, Jason Trier says they 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 couldn't have read it, which um, you know. I assume that that means it came out too fast for someone to have reasonably read the entire piece. Um, the thing that I thought was also interesting about this is that there was a leaked email from Casey Hudson, who, as the piece reveals, left Bioware at the beginning of Anthem's development and came back like maybe six months before it launched. Not onto Anthem directly, but mm-hmm. a, a an email from Casey Hudson, kind of explaining like that. Paints them in a much better light. So you know, maybe this, maybe this was an intentional leak, right? Like this is this is a thing that I see a lot, and it's not so unreasonable, right? That like internal communications get leaked that paint the company in a good light. Um, are things that like the company is okay with leaking because it paints them in a good light? Um, yeah, I mean, like, they have they have. Uh, Jason has continued reporting uh, about all of this stuff, and they have um, followed up with. Uh, 
by by turning around pretty quickly and by being like, you know what, this is a real problem and we're taking it really seriously. They had like a huge all hands meeting apparently. Um, some folks are optimistic, others aren't. Uh, but I will say that things seem to be chugging along on Anthem pretty uh, pretty much the same. Uh, Anthem itself is getting its new stronghold this month, which is part of like the roadmap or whatever. Um, so like I, I the the big question I feel like is like whether or not uh the game can kind of get away from all of this it's it's a little bit of like it's a little bit of asking the question of like can you just watch star wars the last jedi without without thinking about like the fanboy wars going on beneath this you know like the scene can you can you just like play anthem without thinking about like oh buy you know buy bioware and yeah you know like and all this stuff and just kind of be like this is like a fun game. You're like Polygon put out a piece um, by a game designer where he talks about why uh, the kinesthetics of like the combat of Anthem just like f- works for him, and it's like and it's like strong um, uh, and and feels good. And it seems like it's just like impossible to read an article like that without all of this subtext about every you know fucking all of the YouTube clickbait about this game being awful and then and all of the Anthem fanboys on the subreddit getting in threads and saying it's the best thing and everyone's just a fucking hater you know like all of this like like all of the warfare in social yeah. media over the game kind of like eclipses the game itself. Um, and yeah, I, you know, no. and I know that because I feel part of that warfare in in a certain sense. Like it does legitimately bother me when people like really like go after the game because it's just so. It's it's one of those things. This is this is a tough thing, and it's like bigger than this game, and bigger than Star Wars, and bigger than every sort of like fandom. But it's like <laughs> it's it feels like someone is lying. <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean? Like I like this game a lot, and I think this game is good. Right, and so when I see someone going, this game is awful. It feels like they're telling a lie, and you want to tell them that they are lying, and that the truth is this game is good. Right, like that's like yeah. That's- I mean, I, I think there's there's like a bigger thing to be said about like kind of the modern discourse here. Like yeah, this, this is, hits everything. Right, this is like you know this is like Zack Snyder fanboys about Batman killing people. Right, this no. is the, the Last Jedi. All of the discussion around so, that. Right, like this is this is a bigger conversation. Like this is like in some ways like modern politics in some way which is not a thing i really want to dive into on this podcast but like you know the idea that like the people who disagree with you aren't reasonable people that disagree with you they are evil people that are lying because they want to destroy the things that you love yeah 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 (laughs) and and i think really what it comes down to is um this is actually something that i learned in college um which like i had a film professor who like one of the first things he said was like um, just so you like, you should know that we're going to talk about f- film in objective and subjective terms. But really, at the end of the day, everything about film boils down to opinions. But that doesn't mean that there aren't good and bad opinions, right? Like, and I think that that's kind of like a piece of it, right? Like, we almost have this like scientific drive that says there is one truth that is exclusive of all other truths. And it's, like, impossible for people to consider about non-scientific things, right? About something like, you know, Anthem being a good game. That there is simultaneously a good 
like a person who looks at that game and says this is a good game and a person who looks at that game and says this is a bad game right both of these people think that they are seeing the truth and so the other person is definitionally lying because we think of truth as being mutually exclusive with you know like there can't be an alternate interpretation when like and and this is the quote that he says that i like which is that like two people can look at the exact same uh, like the exact same like set of data or whatever and come to radically different conclusions right in film right where like I can watch a movie and you can watch a movie and we can come to radically different conclusions about what that movie means and what the truth is you know about that movie or whatever and that's just like the nature of the beast and that you're not going to be able to say you know definitively that this thing is good or this thing is bad without like making um uh, without like kind of rooting yourself in that kind of a framework. So yeah, it's tough, man. It is, it is super tough. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like that's all we've got time for then. I feel like it's a good place to leave it at. Yeah. Fuck um, you. Hellboy couldn't even make the full hour. What an awful yeah. movie. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> like if, if, if you'd like to tell us what you thought about Hellboy or the star Wars trailer or, uh, the state of the discourse. You can email us at some games at gmail.com or podcast at some games.com. You can follow us at twitch.tv slash games. You can leave us a review on iTunes, on SoundCloud, anywhere that good podcasts are found. Um, I think that's everything I had, buddy. Do you have anything else you want to promote? I have nothing else that I'm looking to promote. In that case, until next time, dear listeners. Until next time, loyal listeners. <laughs>